Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey there, Rockstar SLPs. This is Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and we are on episode 44. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can use themes to cover a lot of goals. And I'm going to walk you through what is a theme, how I started doing theme therapy, and then I'm going to give you some examples about how you can take a theme and adapt it for um, a lot of different goals and a lot of different you know, ages. Now, if you're new to doing theme therapy, this is a great episode to listen to in case you are wondering, well, is this a good fit for my therapy style? Right. And so you're going to get a lot of nuggets for that. If you are already using themes and loving it, I hope that some of the examples with how to adapt the themes for your younger and older students will show you even more ways that you can expand the themes that you are already using to cover more of your caseload. Now, I don't know about you all, but lesson planning is not the hard part for me. I, I know how to do it. It can be kind of fun sometimes, but what's the overwhelming piece is the fact that I have to plan, not just for, (laughs) you know, you know, it'd be one thing to plan for 25 students, right? As a classroom teacher, we're not classroom teachers. Instead, many of us are planning therapy lessons to serve caseloads of 50 and above. And I, and sadly, many of us are, are having caseloads that are over 50 and upwards of 70 plus. And, and that's honestly, one of the reasons why I really started doing themes was I had a giant caseload and I was struggling with finding the time to make lesson plans. And so I started turning to themes to help streamline the process, probably more, I think in a lot of ways, more for my own brain to be able to process what I was going to do with the students and really feel confident with what I was going to be implementing. So when I was having to pull from different skill bases, you know, you're grabbing all these different resources and books and you're doing more of a skill-based approach. I call it a skill-based approach when it's something where it's just like you're grabbing flashcards or you're grabbing worksheets or you're grabbing activities and targeting the goal. You know, I, I think of it as activities you could do year round, right? When I was doing that, it wasn't that it was bad therapy or a bad way to go. So if you love doing that therapy that way, there is nothing wrong with it, right? It To me, a themed approach is a style, you know, some people are drawn to it. Other people think, oh gosh, get me away from this, right? But for me, doing skill-based, it just felt like more work because I had a caseload of 70 to 83 kids, right? And then as the years progressed and my caseload would sometimes change in size or need, um, even when I had a caseload of 50, it was like, 
um, self-contained classrooms, but then I had my gen ed kids and, and just trying to figure out like, how am I, how can I not reinvent the wheel? How can I do a similar activity, but then adapt it for kids who maybe need a little bit more support or how do I fade this, you know, this support away and still use the same activity. And so for me, themes made sense. It made sense for my brain. It kept me inspired. I need to be inspired. It's my personality. If I am not inspired, if I have no purpose or understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing, I am really struggling. So for me, themes got me a little bit more excited about planning therapy. And basically what a theme is, a theme is anything that has a overarching main concept. And so very basically we could talk about a theme being the weather, a time of year like fall, winter, spring, summer. But a theme can also be almost like a category group like farm, bats, you know, snowmen, wind, weather. And it can even go even beyond that to themes like diversity and kindness and different cultures. And so it really, friendship, you know, it really is just whatever you were picking to focus on. And sometimes when I'm planning theme therapy, it could even be the book. So for example, like the book that I really love to use is we're going on a bear hunt. And that is my theme is be, you know, because there are so many little mini themes included in that, that I can really expand the lesson, um, beyond just reading the book. And so those are examples of how you can pick a theme and then plan your lessons around that theme. And so for me, when you're doing, like imagine there was a couple of days a week when I was, when I had my highest caseload, there would be days where I was just, I think I served 10 groups in a day. And some, most of the groups had four to five kids and it was bananas. It was seriously bananas. And that is how I started. You know, for me, it was like cognitive, it was a cognitive overload. I just felt like I was con And then on top of all that, you're thinking about your IEPs and your meetings and your assessments. And so even when you had like a quick 10 minute break or your lunch break, you were constantly just like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh no, what do I have to do next? I mean, can you relate to that? And so that was how I survived um, those, those many years that I had a big caseload was I started to look at my, my students and say, okay, for my pre-K to first grade students, what activity could I do in a theme that could cover a ton of goals or even just be the reinforcer activity for some of my mixed groups? And so then I would plan, you know, an activity that would cover them. And then the next group, you know, the next age group, I would go, okay, maybe I could do this craft or I can read this book and this will cover all these kids and, and, and so on and so forth. And then I would get, and then I would start to get rolling, you know, like I would get my creative juices flowing and then I would think, okay, what could I do for my older kids? And so I would pick a theme for the month. I tended to keep my themes two to four weeks. I don't just skip through weeks each, you know, I don't do one each week. I tried that. It's too fast. So 
I would do my themes. Um, I'd pick my themes for the month and then I would look at my caseload and look at my groups and think, okay, how many kids can I, can I adhere to this theme? Right. And cause there are definitely going to be kids on your caseload or groups where doing a theme isn't just, isn't going to work. Okay. So you're definitely going to have those other groups where maybe you're not using the theme activity, but when you have a plan for most of your caseload using the same materials and adapting them, you are going to feel a lot more cleared up, so to speak. Like your brain is just going to free up because then you can go, okay, I have all these groups organized and ready to go. Now I only have to focus on these four groups that I know I need to do more of a skill-based approach, or we really just need to focus on their phonology goals and we don't need to add any fluff into it. We just need to get down to business, right? So that is how I've always approached themes. I don't do themes completely over my whole caseload, but I will look to see where is it appropriate to do a theme with as many kids as I possibly can. So I hope that makes sense. So again, a theme is a main idea concept that you are trying to cover with your students. And so that could be back to school, all about me. It could be insects. It could be musical instruments. It could be sound. It could be your five senses. It could be, you know, body language. It can be jobs. It could be anything. Okay. And secondly, um, theme, like we talked about before, theme therapy can be a way for you to address the needs of your a bigger bulk of your caseload. So when you're able to address more goals, you're able to lesson plan a little bit quicker with less stress and overwhelm so that when you jump into the session, you feel confident and you feel ready to go. You know what to do. So if you are like going, oh, I love this idea of doing theme therapy, but I don't really know how to get myself organized. I want you to hit the link in the in the notes of this podcast episode. I have a free theme therapy planning cheat sheet that you can use to map out all the goals and skills you want to target with whatever theme you pick. And this way you can keep that cheat sheet handy for the next year when you're going, oh yeah, last September I used apples as a theme. What the heck did I do? What did I do last year? Because most of us, you know, for being honest, we kind of forget what we did. (laughs) All right. So make sure you hit the link in my show notes and grab that theme therapy planning cheat sheet. All right. So let's talk about how to get started with theme therapy and and in some examples for how to adapt a theme to serve your younger and older students. So let's take the example of an ocean theme. Okay. Let's do an ocean theme. This is a great theme to do probably any time of the year, but if you're working ESY or summer school, uh, an ocean theme is perfect for the summer months because a lot of kids may be going to aquariums or headed to the beach where ocean animals live, right? So here's how I approach planning therapy for this across ages. So for my younger students, 
I would say for both age groups, for my younger and older students, I'm always the foundation of every theme is a book. And, and, and for my older students, it might be a nonfiction passage related to the theme. So I'm always looking for my book that I want to use before I sometimes even make some of my activities. So for my younger students, I might do the book Way Down Deep in the Deep Blue Sea. And then for my older students, I might go to News ELA or ReadWorks and look up nonfiction passages about the ocean or specific ocean animals. Or I might go on YouTube and look for nonfiction videos about the ocean ocean animals, you know, or, or the beach. And, and that's what I will do as my foundation. When you have a book or you have a nonfiction fiction passage, this sets the stage for your, you know, your main core uh, material from the theme. And so a lot of times you might see people on Pinterest or even me on Instagram posting like, look at this beautiful crap for an ocean theme. You can make this crab craft. And you're going, Felice, hello, I don't have time for this. Um, I have a giant caseload here. <laughs> you don't have to do the craft, right? So when I think of theme therapy too, when I'm planning themes, I think of um, my kids' birthday parties. You know, I can either have a Pinterest birthday party or I can just have a low-key regular birthday party. You get my drift? Have you ever planned a Pinterest party? Um, I call them Pinterest parties because that means I went on Pinterest looking for a themed birthday party and I spent two to four months planning and prepping for that child's themed birthday party. And, you know, and those are the ones, and you can go and you're like, what? those are a lot of great ideas and you can make the choice of going, I'm going to do every single one of those ideas. Or you can go, wow, that blogger did an amazing job with that themed birthday party. I really love these two items from that themed birthday party. And I'm going to do that in my birthday party. And so a theme can be as elaborate or as basic as you want it. And so when you really focus on doing, you know, your focus on your theme being the book or the really, you know, or the, or the nonfiction passage or really diving deep in what you want to talk about in the theme, then you're going to always have really language enriched, engaging um, sessions. So you, you just want to make sure you have the book um, that goes with the theme, or you want to have that really good material that's going to be the foundation of, of what you choose to talk about and do in your sessions. And everything else is going to be a bonus or something that's helpful, but it's not always necessary. So when you see pictures like that on Pinterest or on Instagram, it's there to inspire you for the possibilities. It's there to show you what you can do. And it's also there to show you that, you know what, you can do simple and it's going to be okay. All right. So I know I went on a little soapbox tangent, soapbox tangent there. 
Okay. So let's get back to the actual ocean theme example. So once you have picked an ocean themed storybook or a nonfiction passage or YouTube video or even one of those, you know, nonfiction books that you can get from Scholastic, that's going to be your main piece of the theme. And then you're going to look at your students, you're going to look at your toys, you're going to look at your materials, you might even search on Pinterest or Teachers Pay Teachers or come up with something yourself. You are going to come up with like a younger age, like a preschool kindergarten activity, a second, third grade activity, and then a fourth, fifth activity. And if you're serving kindergarten to eighth grade, you're going to even expand that to your middle school students, okay? So for my younger students, I may make a ocean sensory bin. And I am going to use that sucker for as long as I can, right? I'm going to use my book and the sensory bin to cover that theme. Some activities that I might do with my second and third grade students would be sorting ocean animals versus land animals, naming ocean items and ocean animals, and talking about word associations. We might be describing the ocean animals by attributes and even acting out their verb actions. And and if I want to, if I'm going into the classroom, maybe I'm even doing an ocean-themed snack or a ocean craft. I might actually use the ocean animals to work on following directions, basic concepts, so many things that you can just do with the ocean animals. And then I'm and then I'm going to use the book, the ocean-themed book, to target vocabulary, grammar story narration. Um, and and then maybe we're going to even go on Google photos and look at real ocean animals and see what they look like to build our student schema around ocean animals. Okay. So then for my older students, I'm definitely, like I said before, I'm going to be doing nonfiction passages and using YouTube a lot to talk about ocean animals. I might take them on a virtual field trip to an aquarium. Um, We may compare and contrast ocean animals by features. So we're going to be working on a lot of language skills with that. Um, One of the books I really, really love from Scholastic is the Who Would Win books. And they have some for sharks and whales. So I might use one of those books for my fluency, articulation, carryover, and my language student groups to work on answering WH questions, summarizing sharing facts, you know, so there's a lot of stuff you could do with that. That is an example of how you can adapt an ocean theme for your younger and older students. And I hope that gives you some clarity on how themes can be easily help you lesson plan for a wide range of goals. If you have questions about theme therapy, you can always email me at Felice Clark at thedabblingspeechy.com or you can DM me on Instagram at thedabblingspeechy to ask specific questions for planning by themes. 
For those of you that are going, this is amazing. I love theme therapy. I've been following you for years and I just love all your themed ideas. I have a lot of themed language push-in units that I have created over the last few years that are for my K2 students. I use them for my small groups and I use them for my whole group instruction. So I adapt them for more than one purpose and I can link to those, but you can also go to my Teachers Pay Teachers store, The Dabbling Speechy. So if you are like, I love those lessons, Uh, they have saved me, they have everything in them, I have some big news for you. I know that planning by themes for your preschool to fifth grade caseload is hard and it's overwhelming and you just, and you love doing it. You love doing themes, but you're like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time and it's killing me. So if that is you, I have some really good news. I am planning to open a themed therapy SLP membership for you. Whoop, whoop. It's going to have monthly themed activities for a wide range of goals and ages that will save you time stress and money. So, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just go to one place and get themed units each month and have everything that you need for preschool to fifth grade? I'd say that's pretty nice. So you can walk in the door and go do therapy and be like, I know what I'm doing today and tomorrow and the next day, right? (laughs) So if you want to know when the membership will be ready, uh, I will put a link in the show notes so that you can get on the wait list. And that way, when the the membership opens, you will not miss the details because I will be opening the doors and launching this amazing membership. And then I'm going to be closing it so that I can serve my SLPs for the year that want to really get better at implementing theme therapy. So again, go hit the link in my show notes and you can get on the theme therapy SLP membership waitlist. And I cannot wait to share more details about this membership in the upcoming weeks. So everyone, if you were enjoying your summer and you got to relax, yay, I'm so happy and continue to just not think too much about work and really just focus on getting inspired again. This is what the summer months are for, to get re-inspired, right? So just remember, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Do something fun, relaxing, creative, and that's how you are going to stay inspired this summer. All right, I will talk with you next week. All right, SLPs, I will see you next week. I'm going to be talking about why I use themes for longer than a week, So you're definitely going to want to check that out. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.